Hi, I'm Zora Chase, and you're listening to Small to Scaled, the podcast that explores how accomplished business leaders went from vision to venture. In these conversations, you'll hear about their experiences and take away some practical wisdom that might help your business scale to whatever size fits. As founder of Chasing Nectar Marketing, my job is to work with business owners and make sure that the brand is known for something and generates predictable revenue for their business. But what most of my clients really want is to eventually sell their company and enjoy the freedom and financial payoff they truly deserve. When we had Michael Gerber on the show, and he was the author of E-Myth, and we talked about entrepreneurial seizure, which was basically when you discover that you're wearing every single hat in the company, and the company will not function without you. Every founder has to learn to create business systems so that your company will run with or without you in the building. This is also the key, really, to becoming an attractive company to buyers. So in today's show, we're going to talk about this with Andy Cabasso. He's an entrepreneur who built and sold his company in, I would say, what, like three years? Three years, okay, to a seven-figure deal and owning it for just three years. So he's going to talk to us today about three key areas that absolutely need to be locked down if you want your business to sell eventually. It's your standard operating procedures, predictable recurring revenue, and productizing your business. So today, I am all ears with Andy, and you should be too if you are a business owner and want to get out of the entrepreneurial seizure and eventually sell your company. Andy, welcome to our show today. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk with you. So Andy, you owned a digital marketing agency, so no wonder I'm so curious. (laughs) And uh, like I said, you sold it in a seven-figure deal after owning it for three years. Um, why did you initially start? It's called Juris Page, and yep. um, and did you have vision around selling that in three years? What was your vision for that? No, not at all. Um, we I started it because I was I saw an opportunity and I want I thought I could make a business that could make some money, and we kind of just. I don't want to like say it was luck, but like we had the right foundation in place from the beginning that made it possible that we could sell it uh, in 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 that three years. And then when we did sell, it was because like a, a good offer came at the right place, right time, and we had everything in place on our end to make it a, a worth it deal for the buyer. Um, my co-founder of the agency with me had a background in uh, freelancing, was doing web design work. And uh, when we started talking about working together on building an agency, he was very much of the opinion that we couldn't build an agency and grow a sustainable agency by having uh, something where we'd be chasing for new clients every month, that we'd have uh, new and va- like t- varied work where it would ver- the projects would vary so much from project to project. Um, and we couldn't have a, a sustainable business if we would be tied to the business so closely. And that's kind of where the, was the, were they like the genesis of the agency, what we're playing for from the beginning and putting the right, right systems in place, uh, helped, helped us significantly. Okay, so that sounds like you had to practice some discipline and only take on projects that fit into your business system. 
Yeah. The, right? the, the thing that scares a, uh, a lot of people is we, we turned away business. We turned away people who were offering us money um, <laughs> because it wasn't a right fit. Uh, one thing that we did with our business was productizing our services. So what we, what that meant is going, taking a, a service like website design and turning it into a product with specific deliverables and deliverables that ideally a, a member of the team who is, you know, not the owner could action and could deliver on. And so every step of the way has different processes that are documented and are importantly repeatable and can be done. And we can, you can deliver a project to the client in a reasonable timeline. Um, and once you have that, uh, there, it's a very fixed kind of closed scope. Uh, I know a thing that a lot of agencies struggle with is scope creep because the client always wants something else, something beyond what the project is. It sounds like you're familiar with this. I We talk about <laughs> that a lot, actually, with my group. Yes. And scope creep is a, is a big um, time crux problem. Right. Just say. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you have that, like, it's, it's just like, all right, just one more thing, just one more thing. Yeah. Having a fixed scope with this productized offering, you can say, you are entitled to this many pages, uh, this much content writing, and anything that you want beyond that, here is our price list for additional fees. And that's all add-on stuff. And so it's very like this helps your team deliver a very assembly line sort of thing and keep things moving along because inertia for agencies is also an annoying problem. Uh, I've had many clients where like we were at this stage or they were the bottleneck of, oh, they owe us content or we're waiting on them for something. And I've had clients that were years, plural, behind where we were waiting on them. But the best you can do sometimes is you have your internal processes to reach out to them every week or so to check in and say, still waiting on you for this. Uh, If you want, as an additional service, we can write the copy for you. Um, and and so on, but uh, having solutions for the bottlenecks in, in particular is uh, important. So when there's a big stall like that, I hope that part of your system is that you were paid on this work upfront, or how how did you work that out? Yeah, so that also uh, something that we learned, uh, like our first pricing iteration was uh, milestone based. So pay it was like thirty, like a third on. Uh, startup uh, and you sign on and then like a third after the first iterations delivered and then a third on launch and then it changed from half up front and then half uh, on launch but there were a lot of projects where it was just like the client dragging their feet they just never got around to getting their headshots taken or never got around to writing the copy their bio page copy that we were waiting on because it just wasn't the big priority for them and so we finally are last iteration was uh, half up front and then half uh, in either 60 days or when a website launches, whichever comes first. And having a productized process, we were confident that, let me tell the client, if we have everything that we need from you, we can get this site launched in 60 days. That will not be a problem. But uh, if you are the bottleneck, we are, we're going to like, we like, here's what our pricing schedule is. And at like, after that point, we're, we're charging them for recurring fees for ongoing services. We found that that really 
kick them in the pants to be like, oh crap, I'm paying for this. Uh, I really, really need to get get moving now. And it, yeah, it, it helped tremendously. What a great concept. So it goes beyond the timeline that you set forth. And then these incremental fees start um, being placed on the client. So right. that's interesting. And you have, to, you have to be confident to know, I can, like with our workload and our processes, I can deliver everything to you in this timeline and we're not going to be the bottleneck. And so that, that's important too. That's right. So that's part of your system internally, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You, right. Um, so, okay. So we talk about um, standard operating procedures. So it sounds like mm-hmm. that's sort of your SOP uh, that was in place. Like how long did it come to, before you realized that you needed that? And, mm-hmm. and then how did you crystallize it? Like it, do you do it in different silos? Like, departments, internal, accounting, creative, like there's so many different components. So it became clear that we needed SOPs when we were ready to make our first hire, really. Um, when we were ready to hire our first contractors, we realized there all of our knowledge of our processes is in our heads and that's not transferable. We, we're, we can't get to a point where we are removed if the knowledge is just in our heads and people have to come to us. Uh, but importantly, it, it it's a problem if you have to make put the keep the knowledge so it's all in someone else's head, also, because then you just you can't scale and there are greater chances of issues, errors along the way, um, and things falling through the cracks, which can, can also be a problem as well. So when we were ready to hire our first person, we realized, okay, now we really need to document our processes so that they can follow this playbook and uh, they can follow along. And every time we were getting to a point where we would want to take something that we wanted to remove ourselves from this process, we'd create SOPs and documentation on. And they were often living documents uh, constantly referred to by team members, like ch- they included things like checklists, and we would revise them as our processes changed or as we added on new software uh, to to our workflows. But um, the important thing is that you have them, even if they're going to be changing, even if they're incomplete. Having something is better better than nothing. That as a business owner um, kind of falls into where you have the client that doesn't deliver everything they need for their website because they're working in their business all the time and do not take the time to work on the business. So creating those processes for me has been a very slow process, I guess, because I rarely take enough time to work on my business, which is like, you know, we all can, I can relate to every client that didn't fill out their bio and didn't send you their headshot because I'm doing that with things like the SOP. Right. I I, I feel that because like, that's like, there's time spent on the money-making activities that are very short-term. And then there's like the long-term. Uh, uh, as like a, a tip, the best time to do like do writing for SOPs is nights and weekends when nothing is, when there hopefully isn't anything urgent otherwise that you'd be working on with work. Um, that's kind of like when I try and carve out time to work on SOPs. And that goes back around to why every business owner deserves to sell their business and do well with that sale because they put in nights and weekends and you know everything else. Um, and yeah, you get what you deserve at the end of the day if you are disciplined and and work the extra long days and hours. Awesome. Um, 
I also wanted to ask you about um, recurring revenue. Um, it, it sounds like building websites is kind of a one-off, but how did you develop that recurring revenue that made um, your business attractive for a sale? So from the beginning, we were not we didn't want to be just doing web design because, like you said, that's a one-off. And for us to build a book of recurring business where if we had no sales in one month, we would still have enough money to pay our salaries and pay our team um, and yeah, keep the doors open. So we recognize recurring revenue has to be a component of this business. And so at the very beginning, when we were just doing web design, we a recurring component was uh, hosting support and maintenance. And so we would charge people a monthly fee for uh, keeping the website online, uh, us doing updates to our platform, as well as doing ongoing support and edits. So if they wanted us to, if they wanted to add a blog post to their site, they could send us the text file and we would add it for them. And that'd be all covered by our, by our monthly fee. And over time, like as we go from one client to two clients and so on, that recurring revenue builds up. And then after we expanded our services, we went from web design to uh, including paid search and SEO, and those had recurring fee components to them as well. And yeah, that that significantly helped us increase the business to a point where if we had a bad month uh, and if we I didn't make any new sales, we would still be able to keep the doors open or not go into debt to cover our costs. And so having a recurring component is important. Now, for web design, obviously, like there are probably a lot of people who are like, well, I just want the website. I'll throw it on my HostGator or Bluehost hosting. Just build me a website. We turned those people away. We said, you know what? The, I understand that you want that, but you're just not a good fit for us then. Um, oh. And that's that's fine. I can recommend other people for you, but we're looking for an ongoing relationship. Ideally, we'd like to be providing digital marketing services for you as well. And if that's not going to be in the cards, then I'm happy to refer you elsewhere. I know that it's it can be tough if you're doing like web design to turn away that business. Like we also were turning away clients that were outside of our niche. We were specifically focusing on legal. So if a CPA asked us to build them a website, we'd say, sorry, we can't do that. In part because one nice thing that, that we really developed in having our SOPs and having our uh, productized workflow is we have specific deliverables and also assets ready to use for legal related clients. If uh, a restaurant were to come to us and say, build a website, the first restaurant website we build would take significantly longer than any subsequent time because the second or third time you build a restaurant website, you've got your templates already, you know what the structure looks like. But the first time it's going to take uh, a lot longer to do because you're still learning and figuring it out to some degree. So with legal, we built a ton of law firm websites and we have a, a knowledge base internally to rely on with building subsequent projects. So we would turn away CPAs and say, we we can't just we just can't do it for uh, for this price and like it's not what we're going after in terms of our market. And there's not really an opportunity for us to do recurring, SEO or paid search work because we don't have that knowledge and it's not an area that we're looking to get into. So uh, here's another person we'd recommend for you. Wow. So um, yeah. So again, it sounds like just being super disciplined and um, productizing your workflow. Do you feel like 
your company was more attractive because you niched down to the legal side of uh, it only? A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. In particular, because so for a few things, um, like digital marketing, web design, uh, to some degree can feel commoditized. There are so many web designers out there. A lot of them is a race to the bottom for pricing. And uh, a lot of web designers going, their niche is local. Like we we are the best web designer in Chicago, in New York, in whatever, whatever city. And like they're finding customers who are either searching locally or getting referrals and, and networking in their local market. Now, um, by going broad though, if you're trying to find new customers on the internet, it can be challenging because you're you're going to have to do like content marketing and SEO for web design and create content that's like more broadly appealing. And that's very competitive. That it's very competitive and it's hard to stand out amongst the hundreds of thousands of web designers out there. But by niching down, not only can you have a real unique brand identity, you can also better optimize your offerings to say, we specialize in your particular type of business. Here is our expertise. Here is uh, some information about why we would be a good fit for your business over the local designer who is more working with a broader range of customers. Like we know your market in particular. And beyond that, with you trying to get better visibility in, in search results, you can create content geared towards your niche. And so for our agency, we we, we did a lot of SEO for legal marketing. And so we would create content on our blog that was geared towards legal marketing, but also like legal related software. We built a ton of partnerships with other legal tech companies and uh, legal publications who were able to refer us clients because we were demonstrating expertise in this market. I would regularly speak at legal conferences and legal seminars and get customers that way. And it, I was much more authoritative being able to speak to this particular audience rather than speaking as just some web design guy who has maybe done a few law firm websites. That is interesting. So you, as I understand, you also started out as a lawyer. So you had some background there. So you were one of the guys, one of the, one of them. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, we kind of, I, well, the agency started because I was applying to work at law firms and I saw that most of them had really bad websites. And (laughs) (laughs) I figured like, there's something I can do about this. My college roommate was a, was a freelancer and had the technical background. I'd have the uh, legal area knowledge and be doing sales and operations and all of that. And uh, it worked out. Are you glad that you sold the company? Yeah, uh, I am. It, it all it all worked out for us in the mm-hmm. end. And I'm, I'm happy with how it was. Okay, great. Is there anything I did? Oh, wait, I wanted to ask you one more thing. How yeah. big does your company have to be before you sell it? Like, when did people start looking at you to, to uh, purchase your company? Just curious. But, yeah. So, well, I'd say that, I mean, I get, I, I was getting like feeler inquiries from people, like from people saying like, are you interested in getting acquired from like a year in? And, but like our revenues weren't there to where I would, where I was thinking like, we're probably not worth anything. I want to build up our book of business to have to say like, here's what our annual revenue is. So if you want to buy us, it's going to be a good enough multiple that I am willing to sell. Um, 
for, I'd say, well, if you're a web designer looking to sell, I think one of the more important things rather than like your revenue size or anything like that is really going to be uh, your ability to remove yourself. Because if you can't, or if you cannot be replaced where you are the business, then the, the company acquiring you is either going to have well, they need to replace you effectively. And so what is your company worth without you? Um, and so that's a way to think about it. So having having being, having contractors, having people or full-time people, people that can do all of the workflows and processes like as an exercise, can you take a vacation? If you can't take a vacation and turn off your phone and turn off your computer, uh, then you're not there yet, I'd say. Um, but if you can get to a point where you can really remove yourself and the business can keep running without you, uh, then it's going to be much more attractive to a potential buyer. Um, one that reminds me. One other thing was in us niching down. What was good about that was we built a lot of partnerships with other companies in in our industry in the legal space. And the company that ended up acquiring us was a partner of ours, someone who had referred us clients in the past and we'd referred clients to in the past. And they were looking to get into the web design and digital marketing space for legal. And so this looked like a great opportunity for them because we had the expertise and we had and we were serving the same customers. And so the thought for them for acquiring us would be if we could just plug them into our system and go after our customers. And uh, like work together, that would be much more powerful and like valuable to us rather than uh, if, if I were to be not in a niche or very broad, I would need to be acquired probably someone who's probably trying to acquire us for our book of business alone. Okay. So yeah. gosh, it really does come down to everything that we sort of like uh, created this uh, episode about <laughs> recurring revenue, SOPs, um, productizing your right. business. You, you um, were probably looking for a number in your question. I kind of was, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I know you sold it for um, seven figures, but like, yeah, like, you know, if I'm generating a couple million dollars a year, is like that enough? Or would someone look at my company at that? Or would I need yeah, to be sure. double digits? I, I mean, so I know uh, it's, it's a broad range, but you you can have an agency in the six figures, I'd say, and it would be an attractive target for for someone. Um, yeah, obvi obviously, the more the more revenue that you're making, higher if you're making higher six figures or seven figures, um, it's going to get you a higher valuation and a higher multiple. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you need the building blocks in place first. Your systems absolutely locked down, and um, and then worry about the six figures, seven figures <laughs> generating revenue, right? Well, a part of the problem is you're going to plateau. If if you are right. the business, you only have so much time in a day uh, to be working on this. You only have so much time to be talking to clients, doing business development, um, working on client projects. And so if you are the bottleneck, you're only going to be able to work on as many projects as you can handle. So having being able to build out processes build out a team build out sops um that's that's the way to break through the any plateau that you're hitting in terms of your revenue yeah so what i'm hearing what's resonating with me is to you know i try to build a standard where i work 
on my business one day a week. Um, it's sometimes it's a half a day, sometimes it's two hours. But because um, I always think, you know, the the in the now and generating revenue is the most important thing. But at the end of the day, that is generating, you know, the big picture revenue and where you really want to go from from here. So it's just as important, if not more. But but of course, like as we're talking about, like it's something that we can that we more readily cast aside. And like if Friday is our day for working on the business, if a client is like, Hey, I want to have a call. Can you do Friday? You're more likely like, Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. And then suddenly that fills up. I know that all too well. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's really important to have that discipline about it. Be like, I just yeah. pretend on my calendar that, that, that I'm out of the office this day. And uh, yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. And then we're working nights <laughs> and weekends. <laughs> That's just how it is. Uh, um, yeah. Did I cover everything that you wanted to talk about with regard to how to sell your business after you've scaled yeah. it? <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. Those are the, the that's that's the advice I have. If anyone has any other like specific questions that pertain to them or different types of businesses, I'm happy to offer any advice that I can. Um, yeah, you could. Why don't you give us your, yeah. Tell us where to find you and what you're doing now. So I'm a, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. My name is Andy Cabasso, uh, last name spelled C-A-B-A-S-S-O. And, uh, I don't think there are any other Andy Cabasso's out there. So if you look for me, you'll find my uh, LinkedIn, you'll find my Twitter, which is at Andy Cabasso, LinkedIn's Andrew Cabasso, because it's a bit more professional. Um, and today I'm working on a startup called Postaga, that's P-O-S-T-A-G-A.com. And it's software that helps with uh, doing cold outreach for link building and digital PR and sales for uh, agencies and digital marketers. Uh, Got the idea kind of from our experience at an agency. And if any of the listeners and viewers out there wanna check it out, uh, if you use the coupon code PODCAST50, that'll get you uh, three months at 50% off. Podcast five zero three months. I'll be um, looking at that after we finish this call. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Andy. I'll have everything in the show notes too. So you can please refer to that if you didn't catch everything that Andy just said. Um, Thank you for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I love talking agency stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I know it was. It's great. I learned so much, I have to say, and I'm, I'm really excited to take what I listened to today and, and heard from you and, and apply that to my business. Awesome. Um, Everybody else, thank you for listening today. And remember, this is part of a regular show that features business leaders and entrepreneurs on how their vision became a venture and the dream job or I got to sell their venture. It was created out of my vision to venture and day job at Chasing Nectar Digital Solutions and Marketing, where we help businesses scale. I like, um, if you like what you hear, please do me a favor and subscribe and rate small to scale. I respond to all emails. So go ahead and email me at zchase at chasingnectar.com and keep your vision moving into your venture, everybody.